It's time now for The Complete Story with Rich and Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich and Dick Bott with today's Complete Story. Well, you know, Mr. Rich, I've got a couple of things to start right out with. And the first thing is, I think my chest cold is a lot better than it was. Now, I know my voice my voice sure isn't much, but I think my chest cold is good, so that's a that's a plus, isn't it? Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. You still don't sound quite right. I had a good <laughs> breakfast this morning, too. Do you know what I had for breakfast? I had a bowl of oatmeal with raisins and some brown sugar and then pretty good uh, smattering of uh, cinnamon on it. And then along with some... Uh, what kind of toast is that? It's uh, sourdough, sourdough bread. Uh, your mother made some toast out of that, and that was really good. And then a hot cup of coffee. Now, that ought to send a guy off in pretty good shape, wouldn't you think? Well, Mom takes good care of you, <laughs> and for that we are thankful. For 65 years, by the way. Now, going back, I was thinking so much is happening now. So much is happening now. Mm-hmm. I was reminiscing with some friends in Minnesota when I was a child, you know, and I can remember maybe as like a three- or a four-year-old child when my folks would be visiting their friends, and then they would have to, everybody quiet down and listen to the old-fashioned revival hour with Dr. Charles Fuller. That was something that was so important, and everybody thought, oh, man. Dr. Charles Fuller's going to be on there in just a few minutes, so quiet down, you kids. And Rudy Atwood at the piano. Rudy Atwood at the piano, that's exactly right. And then I was reminded of my friend Brent Gustafson, who loved this song, and uh, because he was a radio fellow. He wasn't on the air much, but he sure loved Christian radio. I know what you're going to play. I love this coming up. Here it is, folks. See if you recognize it. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so And I heard it first On the radio This love of God so rich and strong Shall be the saints and angels song And I heard it first Radio Amazing grace How sweet the sound The lost and lonely Can be found And grace can even Save a wretch Like me No other love Could make a way No other Oh, my love. 
Jesus came and rescued me, and I heard it first on the radio. Alas, and did my Savior bleed that captive spirits could be free? And I heard it first on the radio. My soul has found a resting place until I meet Him face to face. And I heard it first on the radio. first on the radio but what is those lyrics la 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 in the middle of it what does that <laughs> well mean? that's toward the end that's the <laughs> melody but you know what dad i love that song because the bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god and i love it when we hear from our listeners on our listener comment line where they share their testimony and sometimes we hear stories about people that never really heard the clear presentation of the gospel until they heard it on bot radio network some of the bible teaching ministries that we present and they came to know Christ as a result of something that they heard listening to Bot Radio Network. That's a real thrill for us. And then so many others. But give that listener when, comment when line number. Those, when we get the transcripts of those every week, isn't that a blessing to read them? But also, sometimes people make suggestions or they say, why do you do this, that, or the other thing? And that's helpful, isn't it? Right. That kind of feedback is helpful. But, listen, but I really need, love those testimonials. We need to either read or um, or something those very listener comments uh, it would be a blessing and you know to what, our too, whole that audience. Sometimes there are divine appointments, I believe, where God uh, moves on a person's heart to turn on the radio and, and scan across the dial, and it stops right when they 
are presenting something that they need to hear at that moment. Maybe it's to help their marriage. Maybe yeah. it's to help with a child-rearing uh, issue. Or maybe it's to give them the gospel yeah, that they've you, never really heard help before. help them with their marriage, maybe it's just to remind people to grow up, for goodness sake, and stop thinking about yourself and think of others and think of your family, think of the children, think of your life. For heaven's sake, Rich, the problem that we have today is people are no longer thankful. They are no longer thankful. They don't have a thankful spirit and a thankful heart and certainly thankful to the Lord just for well, so many blessings. Look now, we're coming into 2018 and there's so much to be thankful for in spite of the confusion and the division. And we could go on and on about that, but there's a lot to be thankful for. But the Bible is relevant and applicable to every aspect of our life. And yeah. sometimes people don't have a good background in what it means to live as a Christian and live according to the Word of God. And they'll hear those kinds of uh, teachings and that those precepts from the Bible for every aspect of life. Yeah, well, that leads us right into the next song. I really... But I, what's the I, number you're going to well, give? Well, all right, I'll give it. It's 800-345-2621. 800 345 Two six right. two one, and that's call the that number, number to call. and share your comment with us. But we anyway, appreciate it. anyway, now I don't know what or what type of music this is, or how you would categorize this music, but I just love it. I just love it. It's called "We Thank Thee." We thank Thee. We thank Thee. Here it is. We thank Thee each morning for a new born day where we may work the fields of new mown hay we thank thee for the sunshine and the air that we breathe oh lord we thank thee thank thee for the rivers that run all day thank thee for the little birds that sing along the way Thank Thee for the trees And the deep blue sea
pastures where cattle may roam. Thank thee for thy love so pure and so free, O Lord. We thank thee. Yeah, yeah. Do we call that a grateful spirit? Is that what that's all about? You know, when that little baby is born, that little baby has so much potential, has so much capacity, and it's it's limited, like everybody. As I'm watching some of the news, Rich, <clears throat> I see these people with billions and billions of dollars, but when they get into their 70s or their 80s or certainly into their 90s, why, they expire just like everyone else does. So if they have spent their whole life trying to trying to gain something they cannot keep. What a waste. What a waste if that's what they've been after. And they can't keep it. Mm-mm, no, it's where, where moth and dust uh, doth corrupt, but they need to lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. But listen, if you turn to the Lord, folks, and you invest what he has given you, and that is the gift of life, and you invest that, then you'll find you'll find something where you have everything and you don't lose it. And it's not exhaustible. It goes on and on. I think I meant to say moth and rust. Moth and rust, they, death corrupt, isn't that it? Yeah, yeah. Now, now, I don't know this guy here that sings this, Jimmy Dixon. I, I'm not sure, but I sure do like the song mm-hmm. because listen to this now. I lost it all to find everything. And that's the story, isn't it? Here it is. I had won All I could win And there was no place I hadn't been But my heart Was just so mean And so poor Then I heard him gently say, Why don't you just lose it all and find my way? So I gave it up and found it all and more. I lost. It all to find everything I died a pauper to be born a king to
and I was racing to arrive and I walked on any standing in my way and I watched my schemes all die and I realized that I could find new life because the old had died that day I lost it all it all to find everything I die apart to be born a key a key oh and when I beautiful i mean it uh, is it is dad that i just found a quote if i can share this please. with you this is a quote by mahalia jackson mahalia jackson sometimes referred to as the queen of gospel died in 1972 she said i sing god's music because it makes me feel free it gives me hope with the blues when you finish you still have the blues. Uh, Isn't that something? Well, yeah. That's why she likes to sing gospel music, God's uh, music. Right, now listen, let's turn a corner here for a minute. Um, and one thing I enjoy visiting with you always is you are a student of history. I don't know when you picked that up, if it was in high school or college or where, but you're a student of history. Well, if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. Well, I guess so. You don't know where you are, and you certainly don't know where you're going. However... During World War II is when I was a boy, and a lot of that history was kind of part of what I was picking up as yeah, a child. You lived it. I remember it because I lived some of that. And President Harry Truman from Independence, Missouri, why he succeeded, you see, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who died very unexpectedly. Uh, Warm Springs, Georgia, I think it was, and but his bingo, term. bingo, he was out of it. And at that time, the vice president of the United States was hardly ever given anything to do other than attend a funeral once in a while. I mean, it wasn't an office of much, uh, of much note. I don't think a vice president at that time really would attend cabinet meetings and important events and keep up on things. So when this fellow Harry Truman who was the vice president, all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden he became president and he had not heard hardly anything about the development of the atomic energy the manhattan project the manhattan or anything like that see you i remember it because i lived it and yet you know it because you've studied it the the development of the atomic bomb was being done in secret and even the vice president didn't know about it he didn't know about it of course the president did but he's dead so here is president harry truman and you know rich leadership is lonely Leadership is lonely. Everybody can criticize. Everybody can say, well, he should have done this or he should have done that or what on earth? I wouldn't have done this this other way after all. Whatever whatever a leader does, there's always somebody that can come along and say he did it wrong. But leadership is lonely because all of a sudden then, think now, it was nearing the end of the war, but Japan was not going to give up. They just weren't. They would rather die. Remember the kamikaze pilots? They would fly into something and kill themselves mm-hmm. rather than that was just a part Suicide. of what it was. Yep. So, so President Truman, he had to make a decision. If he, if he decided to drop that bomb that would end the war, it would sure save the lives of thousands of American soldiers. And Japanese soldiers. Well, and Japanese soldiers as well. It would just end the war. But nevertheless, pushing that button, wow, that's when leadership is really lonely. And I discovered that Paul Harvey, don't we love his memory and his legacy? And Paul Harvey examined that. He examined the difficulty in coming to that decision so beautifully And I want our listening audience now, as you're hearing this, think of today. Leadership is lonely, and the leader has to, of the United States of America, put the American citizens first and their protection and their safety and everything else that goes with it. Listen to what Paul Harvey says. It was late at night, and yet at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, there was one light in an upstairs window in the room where President Harry Truman sat sleepless and pondering. No other United States president had ever faced a decision quite like this one. To bomb or not to bomb, that was the question. At the time, no other nation on earth had the big bomb. Just to threaten its use should be decisive, but to be convincing, if he said it, he'd have to mean it. This was the consideration tormenting President Truman through that long night. Back off, and the free world was in jeopardy. Rush forward, and history might remember him as a madman. So here is our president. He is ransacking his mind. He is searching his soul. He is wondering at the millions of deaths and the far-reaching ramifications should he decide to invoke the atom bomb. If his decision was yes, was the technology there? Now, there was no question about that. The bomb had been demonstrated viable by the dawn's early light of July 16, 1945, near the Alamogordo Air Base, 120 miles south of Albuquerque, New Mexico. One such bomb had been detonated. It had been cradled atop a steel tower, surrounded by scientific equipment, fearfully observed from bunkers, Five and a half miles away, the brilliant flash of light made mountains ten miles distant glow. 
and then and there was unleashed. More destructive energy by 400 million times than anything ever before. So we knew it would work. That test day, the mushroom cloud had reached seven and a half miles into the sky, and the steel tower that had held the bomb was vaporized, just vaporized. The desert floor was fused into a mile-wide crust of glass. So, yes, we knew the bomb would work. This was the awesome instrument of destruction that was President Truman's to use or to refuse. And now he must make up his mind should he pull the trigger. And that night, the agonizing contemplation brought forth a decision. The following day, a certain ambassador, a certain ambassador was summoned to the White House. Senator Henry Jackson of Senate Armed Services was present as a witness when President Truman told the ambassador, we're going to drop it on you. We're going to drop it on you. No, this time the president did not drop the bomb. This time he didn't have to. Hiroshima and Nagasaki had already been obliterated in August of 1945. That was a year previous. So this new adversary knew that our country, our president, meant business. And this new adversary quickly complied with President Truman's demand to get their troops out of Iran within 48 hours. Indeed, they were out of Iran in 24 hours after Ambassador Andrei Gromyko relayed word that this was not a bluff, that Harry Truman was quite prepared and willing to make a wasteland out of Moscow. Out of Moscow? Out of Moscow. And now you know the rest of the story. You know, Rich, what well, that, never says, heard that, story what that before. says to me is mean what you say and say what you mean. And then people can trust your word because you mean business. Now listen to this, folks. How sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride. And the joy that he gives But greater still The calm assurance We can face uncertain days Hobie We can face uncertain days because he lives. Sing it with us. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, oh, fear is
But that says it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? All right, this is Dick Bott with his chapter of the complete story with Rich here in the studio together. Together, I love that. Together, Live for business. Jesus. That's exactly right. And with this chapter of the complete story, we'll see you later.